0: episode 23 of the Pi podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the
1: Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. And I'm Albert. And this week, our interview is with Kevin Bromber of My Devices. They're all about Internet of Things. So if you're into that, wait around for the interview. But first, we have the news.
2: And up first this week in the news, it looks like Raspbian got a new update. Uh, I had a little bit of chance to play with that. What was it maybe a couple of days ago? I started working around with it. So far, now this is me talking. I really like the Bluetooth update. It sounds like there's still a few bugs that need to be worked out, but I'm a real big fan of it. I really love the SD copier idea. They have the ability to use Genie, and I have a real love hate relationship with Genie. I've tried it out before. I'm still not sold on using it full time. I feel like you have to use plugins 24 seven when you want to do do any debugging or stuff of that nature while other tools come with it right out of the box. And it really doesn't surprise me because Genie is kind of this magical spot between, floats somewhere between text editor and an IDE. Um, I love that they updated the kernel. Love that they set it up so that when you flash a new Raspberry image, it will automatically expand to use all the file system. Huge fan of that. Yeah,
0: that's a real big step, I think, rather than having to manually do that because I can't see anyone not wanting to do it.
2: I, I always forget to do it until I go and install something and I get denied yep. install it because I have enough space. And it reminds me, oh, yeah, I need to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I do the updates, and then it's like you haven't got enough room. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I forgot to expand it, whereas now it's just done for you, so that's great.
2: The other thing they did that I love was – it's real small, but it was, I was a big fan of this – was they added the empty waste, back, uh, waste basket option, which is really getting in my nerves. Uh, at the end of the day, though, there's still one more thing that I want to see them do. And that is to disallow after a cer- certain moment of time, like uh, say like in months, you are no longer allowed to use pi for the username or uh, raspberry as the password. I was recently reading a, an article in Linux Voice magazine, and it was no, it, it kind of surprised me, but it shouldn't really surprise me that the password raspberry is one of the most hit passwords for hackers nowadays. And I immediately understood like, oh my gosh, everybody's realizing now how much they're using the Raspberry Pi and how much some people aren't changing the de facto username and passwords. And if you know that and know how to get into the Pi, then it's just a field day. So I feel like that's the next big thing I'd love to see them do. But uh, hey, all in all, I'm a real big fan of this update.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to get a prompt, wouldn't it? Um, maybe you should change your password just as
1: a kind of optional thing, maybe. Yeah, I think that's the difference between serious Linux users and the the sort of hobbyist market or the education market that they're going after. But I think it is getting to the time now where, well, for security, it's, it's worth doing. It's definitely worth doing. And on uh, Genie, it's the first thing I always install. It's what I use for all the Python code because it's a much better editor. It's got better code highlighting. Um, I modify the settings so that when I press tab, it does four spaces automatically. And you can execute your code from within it. So when I'm at the jam, if I'm showing somebody the code, it's easier for them to read it because it's highlighted beautifully as well.
2: I agree with that, Albert, for sure. I love Genie because it is definitely small and does not, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, burden the Pi so much. Because I use PyCharm for most of my Python stuff and then IntelliJ for my Java stuff. And they are great IDEs, but they really bog down the Raspberry Pi with the amount of space they're going to need and how much they're doing out of the box. But I, I agree, Genie is small, compact, and it gets the job done for sure.
1: Yeah, and a big thing that came directly from the community was being able to set up Wi-Fi um, by just copying a file onto the um, the boot partition, which is the the one fat partition that can be seen by Windows and, and Mac. So you basically put your WPA config file into your boot partition, and when your Raspberry Pi boots up, it copies it to the correct place, so your Wi-Fi is set up automatically. So it means you can pre-set up your Wi-Fi settings before you even boot your Raspberry Pi which is which is brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely ideal if you're doing a headless project, so you don't have to mess around and, and plug it into screens and stuff first. You can just do it all from the Windows machine that let's face it most people are using to set up their Pi in the first place.
1: Yeah, and also for education and for jams or events like that, you know, if you know what the SSID and the the password is for the network you're connecting to, it's just a text file on a bunch of SD cards. You arrive on site and everything works first time rather than trying to figure it out. Yeah. And then something I think um, we discussed in the last uh, episode was the work that Andrew Mulholland did with the Pi Zero to get it to work over USB. Well, now with some of the additional work in this distribution, it's even easier. You only need to modify a few files again on the boot partition, which you can do on any computer, um, and it'll automatically set it up. So instead of having to be able to connect with a keyboard, mouse, and monitor and then do your setup and then not needing the keyboard, mouse, and monitor anymore, you you don't need those extra capabilities. You know, if you're going to remotely log in over USB, then you're going to have another computer anyway. And now you can just from that computer make the changes necessary to get it all working. So I'm, I'm really happy
0: with that. Yeah, I remember when we spoke to Evan about the Pi 3 uh, a few months ago, how he talked about the incremental improvements they were making to Raspbian and how they were just going to concentrate on making that better and better. And we've really seen that, haven't we? We've seen with every little update that comes out with Raspbian and some big updates like this one, that they've just improved everything that little bit to the point where as we said back then, if you go back and use one of the original images, it's just night and day, isn't it? They're actually kind of horrible.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. I did it as an experiment to see how much Scratch had changed since the first ones that were available. And it was just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm so glad I don't to do this anymore. The, the one thing, Isaac, you were saying your one thing is the right click on the waste paper bin. My one thing is at shutdown, I used to always try and click on the text. So shutdown, reboot exit, I was always tried to click on the text rather than the little radio button. And now they're a full-size button as well, which means my natural expectation for where I should click to actually shut down the computer um, will now work. So it's like, oh, they, their brain works like mine. I pity them. Yeah, it's
0: it's just a tiny thing, but it's those paper cut issues that really make the difference. I was going to yeah. say,
2: I love that we nowadays have a small handheld computer that could do so much and has Bluetooth and Wi-Fi abilities. And yet... I'm over here, like I can't empty the wastebasket. This is a horrible (laughs) device and distro, and (laughs) equally, Albert's uh, just I can't select the radio buttons correctly. Can someone please just make this a button? Like it was.
1: (laughs) I end up tabbing and pressing Enter to shut down. That's what I used to do, but now I can just click. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned the Pi Zero there, and we talked about it on the last special episode, where again we we spoke to Evan about it. But I suppose we should cover it as a proper news story, shouldn't we? It's, uh, it's grown a grown camera connector, which just makes a lot of people happy, I think. It was a massively requested feature, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure why they didn't do this from the start, you know, because it makes so much sense. I guess it made way more sense if we talked to David uh, Ackerman of that nature of people that wanted for their projects. But I just wish they had done this from the beginning. But uh, either way, I'm really glad to say they did that. And it's just makes me want to use the Pi Zero. I mean, I have one, I haven't used it yet. And now I feel like I now have so many more options to use it for. So I'm really glad to see this has occurred. I'm glad both of you got to talk with Evan about this as well.
0: Yeah. And we talked in that interview about the cost of the adapter because it's using a smaller version of the connector and the adapter is selling for the same price as the Zero. And that's not because the adapter is expensive. It's because the Zero is ridiculously cheap.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those features that... Once, once the zero was out there and people started using it, it became obvious in retrospect that this was a a good thing. But also, I mean, my my gut feeling is the Pi Zero was a complete punt. You know, it's like pff, maybe people will play with this, maybe they won't. Probably, like the Pi originally, we'll sell ten thousand of them. You know, they the most recent batch I think was thirty thousand, and Evan was saying about having ten thousand a week going out. Yeah. So there's there's most definitely a demand, and again, couple this with the. um wi-fi config through the boot partition you can build it you can place it somewhere absolutely remotely switch it on or enable it with a battery and everything gets sorted automatically for you it's it's just just so much easier i know i had a discussion with somebody on uh, twitter before the the new pi zero was even announced or even hinted at that they needed a camera connector because they were using an a plus which was just big and bulky and they wanted a pi zero with a camera and i'm going but you know use an a plus it's it's not that much bigger they're going well the zero would be even smaller and if what you're watching are small birds then your your bird boxes is, is small so even putting a an a in there with the protective case would have been a lot for them so yeah a good choice perfect addition to the uh, the board and uh, it's kept the size really really small yeah who knows what we might get next maybe even wi-fi Dare to dream <laughs> And then there's a great announcement recently that the Raspberry Pi, uh, using the, the Google cloud vision.
2: Have anybody seen this? I saw this only through the, the blog and I just had to say, mark my words, whether you approve this or not, this is the future. The, this, this, uh, this attitude of using the cloud through your voice, which you've already seen with Alexa and everything, you know, that's starting to pick up a lot of steam, but this allowing robots to you know, reference the cloud for what they're looking at and let you know that is on a whole another wavelength for what's going on. I've seen a lot of cool projects, the Raspberry Pi to date, but this cloud vision is beyond anything I have seen yet. This is, this is for sure beyond, I feel like IOT is definitely kind of still trying to figure out what's going on with it. And I, and I do admit it, IOT is the, I would say almost the bleeding edge. But this takes this is one beyond IoT. I I just can't explain it. When I watched this, I was dumbfounded at what I saw and what the the future holds for these kind of projects. I don't think we've seen anything like this, and we're really gonna see this take off in a big, big way.
0: So dumbfounded that you forgot to explain what we're actually talking about here. So (laughs) we're talking about the Cloud Vision API, which allows you to take photos of objects, faces, that kind of thing, send them up to Google's cloud. And then it will recognize what you were um looking at. And then you can feed that back into your robot or whatever it is that you're doing with the Pi or, or even any computer. And it's absolutely amazing. that It can tell emotions on faces. It can tell all kinds of different objects. It, we really do live in the future, I think.
2: Yeah. the the only downside I see to this would be that you're using Google to figure out what you're looking at so yeah of course Google's recording what you're currently seeing and and they're dictating you know what you thought you saw you know that's the only if there's any downsides to it it's that but unfortunately I, I yeah I agree with you Joe we're definitely living in the future now
0: I think the reason that you need to have Google involved is because you need a lot of computing power right now but I'm really hoping that although you might need serious cloud computing now to do it maybe in the future the the code will get better the machines that we have at home will get better and we'll be able to do this locally so uh, for now we need google but hopefully in the future we'll be able to do it ourselves
1: yeah i mean locally opencv will do some of the basic stuff um but as you said joe you just need the power you need the power for this to be done quickly you know, the last thing you want to do is take a picture and have to wait two, three, four minutes for it to be analyzed so you can get the results back. Whatever was in the picture, if it's live, is, is, is no longer there. Uh, you know, Isaac, for that Internet of Things, up until now, a lot of people have been talking about sensors, sensors and switches. Well, guess what? A camera is the ultimate sensor. Um, and one thing that I really loved was in, in the Google video, they show the Dexter Industries, uh, Go, uh, their little robot. And we had a great interview with uh, John Cole about the work they're doing, especially with education, episode 19.
2: Yep. Uh, you guys are both right. You do need a lot of computing power, and that's where Google kind of comes in. But what, I think both of you are also really forgetting, and this is where OpenCV f- is going to fail there. Albert, because I've ran into this problem, is you need a large data set to reference what exactly you're looking at. Because I've tried to goof around with facial recognition here at the house, and there is open data sorts you can go, I mean, data sets you can go get. To compare your, you know, what you're looking at versus this, that, but Google has unlimited data. I feel like to let you know, like not just how fast, but like, hey, this is an apple versus an orange, kind of that attitude. This is your face versus that face. I mean, they are quick. They have all that data sets to hit now, and that's the real, I think, power of this right here. It's not just how fast, but the amount of data your your rever your robot or sensor or camera is now reversing against. Agree. So, Joe, I saw on Twitter that you attended a coding evening, and I have a few questions for you.
0: Yeah, well, what's the first question? Was it good? Of course it was. It was amazing. I got to meet all sorts of teachers and people who are into the pie. It was kind of like a jam, but much more education-focused. Because originally, when we spoke to Kat about this, Kat Lamin, um, back on one of the early episodes of of this podcast, I got the impression that it was really focused on teachers – Whereas having been to it, it's, it's kind of a little bit more than that. I and mean, there are a lot of teachers there, but they're also just enthusiastic people like me there talking to teachers. And, you know, I took a couple of pies with me and there were some teachers there who had never seen a pie in the flesh before. And I was able to kind of show them it and tell them why it was good and everything. So it was the, the range of people there was absolutely amazing. So did, did you learn anything? What, what did you learn from attending this? I learned a few things. I learned that there's a demand for a cheaper camera, a cheaper, low quality camera um, that's, you know, just a few dollars rather than, you know, the really high quality camera that we've got now. I mean, it was good before. Now they've recently refreshed it. We talked about that, the, the official one. Um, whereas if there was a really cheap one, I think that would sell well because that could be bundled in, um, schools, you know, it, things the way it's just tweeting a photo or whatever, you only need sort of one megapixel rather than, you know, the, the eight megapixel one that we've got now. And I also learned that there are teachers who want to learn about it and want to know more about it, but don't seem to have discovered where the resources are. And I think that that's the beauty of things like coding evening it's it's opening up the those teachers eyes to the possibilities of the pie
2: you know that that kind of blows my mind and i mean a good way and a, a scary way because i feel like uh, both of you live in the land of the raspberry Pi. you know if there's going to be anywhere for people to be learning about it it's 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 where you guys are the uk so i'm kind of a little blown away that people still i feel like looking at for me from outside of looking in, I feel like everybody that's a teacher or lives in the UK knows all about the Raspberry Pi. Maybe not where the resources are, but knows knows all about it, and should easily know. Like at least one out of every three people sh- should know where the resources are for the Raspberry Pi. Now, that's definitely me being a stupid American. I'm for sure, you know, looking at that, but it just kind of blown away that you you know that's something you came away with.
1: I mean, I think it's I think we've discussed it before. If if you're if you're in this world, then you know all about it. But if you've you know if if you don't know what you don't know then you don't know where to look and i think that's part of it i think you know my my experience with teachers is um they they all want to do fantastic work they all want to use the resources that are out there for them but sometimes they're led by the curriculum and by the vendors so you know if the, if the only people you're meeting are people supporting the curriculum that you have in place at your school or are the vendors that are selling products to support the curriculum that you currently have in place at school, then you don't get the opportunity to naturally be exposed to things. You have to go hunting for it for yourself. So it's great that Cat Lamin is is getting out there and giving teachers this opportunity. And um, from from my knowledge of Cat, she's probably uh, haranguing and harassing and encouraging people who normally wouldn't attend these evenings to come along just to see what's happening, which is good work.
2: Yeah, that's a super, super great point there, Albert. Joe, um, I also saw that you were using a Pi Top. So could you care to give our listeners how what you thought about that?
0: Yeah, so there was a, a Pi Top there and a Pi Top Seed. So the Pi Top was the original one, which is essentially, it looks like a laptop. So you've got a keyboard and touchpad and screen, and you kind of slide out a bit of plastic, and inside is the Raspberry Pi, and then a couple of control boards to make the whole thing work together. And then there's the Pi Top Seed, which is the kind of desktop version so it doesn't have a battery it doesn't have uh, a keyboard or touchpad so it's it's a kind of slimmed down more basic model and I was more interested in the laptop one to be honest Uh, Kat was saying to me that she is more interested in the desktop one because it takes up less space and in terms of um, the primary school kids that that's more suitable and I I enjoyed it. The screen is is, is brilliant. It's great viewing angles, um, really good quality. Keyboard, a little bit small, but easy to type on. And uh, touchpad, kind of same, bit small, but um, it works very, fairly well. I'd say build quality wise, it felt a bit plasticky and a little bit cheaply made, to be honest. And... I, I hear that it's robust. I hear that it can take a bit of a beating, but it, it didn't feel that way to me. So I think it's the kind of thing that I'd have to properly check out and, and live with for a while and chuck in my bag and stuff and, and see how it held up. But finding out that it costs 200 pounds, mm, that, that for me was the kicker. I, it doesn't feel that it's really worth that i mean you albert got the next stock which is a fairly similar product only instead of the raspberry pi being inside it it's got to be external and that's going to be you haven't got it yet have you but you you got it on indiegogo for about 100 quid which is like half the price and it feels to me that's about the the right price for the pi top but you know the the problem is economy of scale you know they're a small company um based in east london and so i'm hoping if they get some early adopters, then hopefully they can push that price down a bit and, and make it more accessible to everyone else.
1: Yeah, the, the next stock hasn't arrived yet. I'm also in on the uh, PyTop Seed, so the, the all-in-one desktop that they've got. Um, I'm kind of similar. I just thought 200 quid was too much for what it is. But looking at it, what it does do, and it's the only thing that does it, is you close the clamshell and everything is inside.
0: Yeah, that, that is a big plus as opposed to things like the next up where you've got cables outside of it and it's a bit messy.
1: Exactly. Or like the pie top seed where you still have to bring along your keyboard and mouse, you know, and they're all being wired up separately. This thing is, it's a clamshell, you're done. I mean, I've seen, again, back to the school environments, they like being able to, you know, slot things into trolleys and trays. With this, it's all in there. You're guaranteed when you close that clamshell, you're missing nothing. Which to me is the big advantage for me personally. The way I use the Raspberry Pi, it's not worth a hundred pounds more. That's why I went for the Pi Top Seed. The moment that came out, I was on it. I went with the next dock because at, I think it was I got in at a hundred dollars plus postage, and I don't know what that is yet. So I might like a, a surprise.
0: Yeah, especially when it gets through customs as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping it's like the Pi Top Seed, which was I think about twenty five dollars for postage. I think was what it came. It's like twenty five dollars and. Four cents or something weird. So as long as it comes in around there, um, I'll, I, will i will be happy with that. I'll, I'll be able to live with having a, a Raspberry Pi Velcroed on the outside, um, which is what it's going to have to be. If I'm using it as a, as a laptop, which means it's not going to be as robust. It's not going to be as compact. I will forget cables because I'm a cursor for forgetting the cables on occasion. So, um, but that, yeah, I, 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 I see the benefits of having it literally you close the case, you're done. For me personally, it, it didn't justify the extra price for me.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I don't really want to spend 200 quid on it, but if they want to send me one uh, to review, <laughs> then uh, I'd love to play with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I told you before the alternative I went for, which now with the real VNC thing is great. I mean, for my kids, I bought them a 110-pound laptop. Yeah. 32-gig SSD, 4 gigs RAM, runs Windows 10, real VNC client on the, on the laptop, real vnc running on the the pi and just log in and that you know that works great or if it's a pi zero use the the usb cable thing and that all worked really really well And that and you, and with that you have a laptop as well if you know what i mean yeah
0: but it is running windows so swings and roundabouts <laughs> <laughs> right i think we've gone on too long with the news we would better get on with the interview we are now joined by kevin bromber who is ceo of my devices so welcome along kevin Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. So, can you tell us a bit about yourself
3: and a bit about My Devices? Sure. So, um, I'm Kevin Bromber, as you mentioned on the uh, introduction, and I'm CEO of, of My Devices. And what My Devices does is we have developed software for the Internet of Things. And uh, more specifically, we just released a product, or not just, but. Uh, at the end of January, released a product called Cayenne, uh, which is an IoT project builder. And uh, it does a wonderful job of bringing in Raspberry Pis and makes it easy for individuals to build
2: projects. Um, that's the, the simplest way, I guess, of, of saying it. So, how did uh, my devices come about or the inspiration behind uh, Cayenne?
3: Well, about uh, about three years ago, see, my devices is a division of a larger French publicly traded company called Avonquest. And I was heading up the uh, corporate development mergers and acquisitions for the company and also the business development for the company. And uh, Avonquest was in completely different uh, type of industry selling boxed software through retailers, um, which you know is a uh, is and has been a, a declining business. And about three years ago, I went to the board of directors, and I, I said to them, guys, um, you know, we really need to look at, uh, at doing something new here. And my background has been on uh, entrepreneurial. I've started up several companies in the past And I had said to them, I really feel that uh, there's something happening with uh, connected devices. And at the time, there really wasn't the phrase Internet of Things. It was like right before that. And I just said, you know, we really need to make a platform where we can start connecting a whole bunch of devices. So they they gave me the opportunity. They helped fund the operation. And uh, I started building out a connected devices platform with some, uh, uh, like a SWAT team of developers. And as we started to build it, um, the Internet of Things started to evolve, and it started becoming more clear that this was an Internet of Things platform. Um, and, and as uh, as we started building it out, the thing I started recognizing is that companies that wanted to potentially license this Internet of Things platform, uh, they were confused about all the stuff that's involved with uh with with internet of uh, internet of things, so I realized we got to make it easy. We got to make something really really simple for them, and it hit me like, well, why am I? We don't have to invent anything here. Let's look back in history. Uh, you know, like AutoCAD for in for for architects, they know where to start, right? They got a product that they can go to, and I felt, hey, we need something that's similar. Let's make a product where people will start their IoT project so um uh, and so that was the inspiration for for cayenne was it really kind of evolved from really from about three years ago and 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 this is where we are today
1: in researching for this interview i came across WebIOPi. how does cayenne relate to that because they seem to be coming up together sometimes
3: yeah so um so when we started to uh, take our IoT platform, this, this, this very complex thing, and then put a very easy front-end interface, this, this Cayenne on it, um, what I realized was that uh, we're never going to be able to build the software that's going to hook in all these different devices. So, you know, we need to be able to bring in Raspberry Pis, Arduinos, but then there's going to be thousands of other types of devices that are coming in, LoRa, Sigfox devices, gateways, sensors, whatever they are. And I realized not only could a company our size not be able to keep up with that, even if you were Google, you couldn't have enough engineers to, to do it. So it has to be almost like a, it's a, it's a hybrid open source type solution. So WebIOPI does a really great job of, um, they're not drivers. They're Python files or Python scripts, right? But they support sensors for the Raspberry Pi. And so we connected, uh, I connected directly with Eric Patak, who is the, Uh, creator of web IOPI but web IOPI is this open source uh, solution that helps you know detect automatically detect sensors so we incorporated that into Cayenne uh, to really help the evolution or the um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, you know the support of as many devices as possible being contributed by a community Oh,
1: wow, that sounds like a, a really smart way to go with it.
3: Um, it's turned out really, really good uh, because we're starting to see, you know, we're going to be bringing in other devices um, as well, like Arduinos and such, and we're taking a similar approach. You know, we, we want to empower the community to bring in whatever kind of device, whatever kind of sensor that they want.
1: And what made you uh, go with the Raspberry Pi as one of the, the key devices?
3: Well, there are really two reasons. One, I saw that the community for Raspberry Pi was a very large market. Um, Two, uh, I felt that the key thing with Cayenne is to make it as easy as possible. When you look back in history and you look at when companies become successful uh, or products become successful, it's when they become super easy. So like when you look at the iPhone, for example, there were phones before that uh, that had email and texting and all this other stuff, but it wasn't until the iPhone made it super, super simple that the smartphone really kind of transformed. Or if you look at um, um, Salesforce CRM, you know, CRMs were always in very large companies, but they're really complicated. And then all of a sudden, Salesforce made it really super simple. And so that was the same thing with Kayan, Was okay, we got to make it super simple. So who would, who could benefit the most from making this super easy? And it was to me, it was the Raspberry Pi community uh, because you do have. You know, education and makers of all ages. I thought, you know what, we got to make it easy enough that somebody could literally like plug in their uh, their device and immediately get it online. Make it super, super simple. So it was the demographic, uh, but then also the size of the of the community that 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 attracted me to the Raspberry
2: Pi being the first main device that we were going to support. I completely agree with that, Kevin. Of all the devices out there, it seems like the Raspberry Pi. What it has going for it that the others don't is the community. So what has been the public's overall reaction since the introduction of Cayenne? It's been pretty unbelievable. Um, When we first launched it,
3: you know, the idea was I really just wanted to test the usability of the product and say, you know, is it, did we really meet their expectations? Um, because there was a lot of very complicated stuff that we have inside the product, like being able to do triggers. Like if something happens on sensor A, you know, trigger a motor on, uh, you know, device B or, you know, whatever we also needed to do scheduling. So there's a lot of complicated stuff. So when we first launched it, uh, I was really just looking for the feedback for, for ease of use. And we've just got a resounding, Uh, success. I mean, we're nearing 20,000 developers signed up in the first 90 days. um, And a community that just popped up out of nowhere. um, And they're just fanatical about it. And that's the beautiful thing is we're learning so much. They're telling us so many things that they need, little things that you sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we should have done that. And and now we're iterating um, and and meeting the needs of the community. Do you have any kind of profile for those 90,000? Um, that's the other surprising part. Um, you know, I, I always had a hunch that uh, when we first started to go after this market, uh, there were some that said to me, well, they're just makers, you know, they're just makers. And you know, and I said, you know, I think that's how people thought of webmasters when the internet first came out. They're like, oh, they're just webmasters. <laughs> well, there are no webmasters anymore. Now you have back-end developers and front-end developers, and it's, you know, very sophisticated. And it's the same thing that we've seen with the Raspberry Pi. We have very serious enterprise um, organizations coming to us saying, wow, we've tried other internet-of-things platforms that are out there from big companies uh and yours is by far the easiest and this is what we need and um and then on the flip side we have you know young kids who are using it that are saying this is great and we've got teachers that are using it so um it's a very uh, it's it's diverse but i guess i'm not as surprised as some but we're seeing a ton of corporate big enterprise guys who who use these for prototyping
0: It's funny you mentioned kids there. That was going to be my next question. I mean, how do you see this fitting into the education sector?
3: I think it fits in in a really big way. Um, You know, we haven't specifically gone out and addressed and said, here, this is, you know, this is for education. But I think that, um, you know, we've had teachers come to us uh, and say, wow, I want to use this in my class. So they're just, they're bringing it out and they're pushing it forward. Um, But I see that it could be very, very useful in school because, you know what I did when when I first started to look at this product I pulled a raspberry Pi out of a box and I opened it up and I looked at it and I said okay now what I mean I was literally like "Oh, now, like now what and I felt that if that's how I feel then how is it going to feel to a kid that you're trying to inspire um you know to to, to start coding right and um, so that was where we started was at the out of the box experience, the unboxing. So when you unbox this thing and you plug it in, so I think it will have a huge impact on education. Um, we just got to get some projects, you know, built around it. And I think some more visibility in this space, but I think it, I think it'll, it, it'll satisfy that, that void feeling I had when I first opened the box and I was looking at it going, I don't know what to do next. And I think, I think that's a huge uh, problem to, to first solve with people.
1: So are you putting together any resources that uh, educators can use or the community can
3: use? Um, At the time, we're letting the community um, form up around it. I want to observe and learn a little bit, and I want to start to call out and start talking to some of the educators who are using it. Uh, Once we have, I think, a better handle on what their real needs are, what they're telling us that they need, then we'll start to assemble some resources around it. It'll definitely be uh, an area that that we pursue.
1: Excellent. Cause I've seen that be hugely um, beneficial to the teachers that I've spoken to is they need somewhere to start. They need a project the kids can start with. Otherwise, as you said, what, what do I do? So not just with the Raspberry Pi, but with any of the, uh, the platforms that sit on top of it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so I think there'll be something coming in the next, uh, you know, in the next six months, we'll definitely have something in, in education that's a, a, a little bit more addressed. Um, in a short term, we're actually looking to add some more devices, things like Arduinos, so that you can actually make an Arduino talk to a Raspberry Pi and back and forth. you can mix and match uh, sensors uh, onto a single dashboard um, and save your projects and share your projects. So we've got a lot we've got a, a beautiful roadmap ahead of us that I'm really excited about.
0: So in terms of how this actually functions, you've got the the mobile and and web apps. Is that all you need, or is it talking to uh, an external server? I mean, uh, what I'm asking here is, are you connecting directly from the, the mobile app to your devices, or are you going through your servers to do that?
3: It's it's both. Um, so... You're talking to our servers, but they're, if you're on the same Wi-Fi network, we're doing uh, you know direct connection to the Pi so that we can cut down on latency. So if you're turning on and turning off lights and you're on the same Wi-Fi network, you're going to benefit from, from that. As far as the data is concerned, uh, you know, data right now is is in the cloud, but we absolutely have plans to allow you to have local, you know, local uh, data as well. So you'll be able to run it without the cloud connection, but you'll end up losing some forms of functionality um, in doing that. But we know that that's important to some people that they're able to run things, you know, 100% locally. So we've got plans to do that as well. Yeah, what
0: with the Nest thing recently, I think people are very aware of you know servers being turned off and, and things basically becoming useless. Totally,
3: yeah, it's 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 a big concern, and and we and we get that, and, and instead of us, you know, denying it, uh, we're addressing it. So we we know that we we need to you know we'll we'll need to satisfy that that issue for people.
2: Is there a way to register, say, a sensor device that? I have, but you guys do not have on your website. Can I get that? Is there a way for me to do that personally or do I have to reach out to you guys to say, can you add it?
3: Um, So you'll be able to, you can't right now, but very shortly, you'll be able to add your own sensors, and you'll also be able to add your own custom code. Uh, right now, you can do it, but it's you kind of had to hack around a little bit to do it. But we're going to make it more uh, available for you, literally just to be like, hey, if I push this button, execute that Python code or whatever code you want. We don't care. So if you want to break it, if you want to play around, we don't care. So we're just going to give you that uh, that that area to do it. And if you want to add in your own sensor, your own device, you'll be able to add in your own uh, your own sensors and devices as well.
1: So kind of backpedaling a small bit, um, to explain Kyan and what it does, it's connecting all of the devices that you want to control or manage or, or receive data from, from a central platform, being it a mobile phone or a web application. Is, is that kind of it, or, or what else can it be used for?
3: So... um that is at the highest level what you just said. Um, but at the key to the Internet of Things is the ability for these devices to get brought into a platform. So what does that mean? That means that the sensor data is is being you know ingested into this central location. Uh, and then you also have a bidirectional ability to control those devices, turn on, turn off motors or, you know, switches or lights or whatever it is. Um, okay, so once you have that, uh, that's only the first part of the equation. So that's just connecting your devices in. Um, the second part is how do you make these devices actually talk to each other? That's where you start to get the benefit of what a true Internet of Things environment is. So, for example, if something happens on device A, triggers something to happen on device B, And it can and should be from a different manufacturer. Um, And it may be coming in from different types of connectivity. So something might be coming in over Wi-Fi, like a Raspberry Pi that's got sensors connected to it. And then you might have an Arduino that's hooked up on what they call like a LoRa network or a cellular network. And so you want to be able to have those talk to each other, and then you want to be able to schedule them. So when you're able to mix and match different manufacturers' devices, sensors, or whatever it is, gateways at the edge or aggregated in a gateway, and you can mix and match them onto almost like a collage um, and make them talk to each other, it really starts to be this very powerful Internet of Things platform that works for a horizontal, uh, all industries, agriculture, healthcare, home automation, I mean, you can't. You, you, it would be endless of what the what the tool will be able to allow you to do.
2: So, what does the future hold for Cayenne or my devices?
3: I believe that Cayenne can and will be the de facto IoT project builder. We will be what AutoCAD is to architects. Um, Cayenne will be to the IoT developers. That's the aspirations for it, and I think that I think that that's where we're. I think that's what we're where we're headed.
0: So as we kind of start to wrap this up then, is there anything that you feel we might have missed that you'd like to mention?
3: Um, no, I think, you know, I, I I just think the one thing that's so important is the, is the community. Um, how important it is. Um, you know, there's so many amazing ideas that are coming out of the community. You know, there's one thing to live in a box and to... Uh, do what you think is the right thing, but then when you put it out there and the community comes with their ideas, uh, it makes me feel really great because a it shows me that they're using the product um, and they're satisfied with it. But then when they're just when they get fanatical about we need this, you know, and they start screaming louder and louder, you know, I turn to my dev guys. I'm like, guys, you know, we got We got to do this. So I love that. Um, that is really going to help the growth of our product. Is the fanatical community that's that's uh forming around it
1: fantastic and good luck good luck with it it looks great
3: thank you really appreciate it
0: so if people want to find out more about my devices or can uh where's the best place for them to to do that
3: uh my is uh usually the best place to go and you'll see a link straight to cayenne right off the homepage. um but mydevices.com is a a great place to start or go on to the Google play store and search for Cayenne, um, or on the, uh, iPhone app store, uh, and search for Cayenne. So one of, one of those three places is a good place to start.
0: Okay, great. Well, yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So thanks a lot for giving us your time and coming on and telling us all about this. It
3: sounds uh, really interesting. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Yeah, that was a really cool interview with Kevin Bromber. I'm, uh, I've been goofing around with my devices a little bit here and there for the past couple of months, and I'm pretty happy to see what they've done so far, and it really encourages me to see where the IoT world is going, and going especially with Raspberry Pi. So if you haven't tried out my devices, I would definitely give it a shot.
0: Yeah, it's a very ambitious aim, isn't it, for KN to become the de facto standard in IoT, but we don't really have one yet, so I don't see why it can't be. It does seem to be a very uh, professionally put together bit of software. So, um, you know, good luck to him, I reckon.
1: Yeah, and I love the fact that they're making it extensible so you can add your own sensors and your own devices and especially uh, the work they're doing to make it so that it won't have to, you know, phone home back to their servers for every functionality. I mean, that's going to be really, really useful because I can see situations where, for security reasons or just because you want to keep it compact, that you want to run things locally. You know, if you want your house to control, if you want things in your house to control things in your house, then why do you need to leave your building? Um, So it's great that he was uh, addressing that and sees that as being important to people as well.
0: Yeah, I really hope they push more with that stuff because there's been a a lot of stuff. I mentioned it in the interview about the Nest thing, how the servers got turned off and then people's, uh, you know, IoT devices basically stop working. So it, it's, I think it's fine to have additional functionality using the cloud, but I think you really need to make things work locally. And from speaking to Kevin, he is aware of that. So um, yeah, it's good to hear. But with that, we come to the end of another Pi podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at com. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac and Albert, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion.
1: Bye, everyone. Take care. See you later.